Good morning. My name is Pastor Kimmy, and I am just thrilled that you are here with us this morning. I believe that God has an incredible message for us today, and I'm just, I'm so excited and honored to be able to share that with you today. If you were here last week, Pastor Greg showed this wonderful video and our chat hosts will have it available at the end of the service. So if you've never logged into chat before, it's really easy, put in a username and then at the end that link will be available to watch this video. And I'm gonna summarize it. Basically it talked about Jesus being a disciple and how he did three things. And the first one was that he looked up. He focused on his relationship with God the Father. That was his first love. And the second thing he did was he focused in. He was very intentional to invest in relationships and he was never ambiguous about who his spiritual family was, right? He spent like over 50% of his time with his disciples and he invested in them and they invested in him. And the third thing that he modeled is out. And that is what we're going to talk about next Sunday and um, how Jesus was out in the world, influencing others and just bringing the gospel and hope and good news. So today we're going to talk about the inn. But before we do that, let's open in prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that your presence would invade our homes right now, Lord God. I pray that you would highlight words um, out of the Bible for us this morning, that words would just jump off the page and just be active and alive and transforming to every single one of us. I pray we would be motivated and inspired and convicted by your word today, Jesus. Thank you so much, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we all put a lot of weight in our names, don't we? Like a person's name. I remember when we were naming our kids, we went through books and books and lists and lists of different names to try and find the perfect name for our kids. And I'm sure many of you have done the same thing, right? We feel like the name really can describe or define that person. And sometimes it's very accurate, sometimes it's not. I knew this lady um, years ago and she was like one of the bubbliest, bounciest, perkiest, happiest people I've ever met. And her name was Bunny. Like it just totally suited her. Her name and her personality just really uh, were such a great uh, example of how our names can suit us. Well, my name is actually Kimberly. Yes, you call me Kimmy for short, but my name is Kimberly. And if you were to read the, um, the definition of my name and you know me, you'd actually be laughing your heads off because it is, it is just ridiculously accurate. I'll read you just a few of them. It says that my name means royalty that we tend to be leaders rather than followers. We have person, uh, sorry, powerful personalities. <laughs> Kimberly's tend to experience a wealth of creative and new ideas. They have the, the ability to implement these ideas with efficiency and determination. So I'm being extremely vulnerable with you right now. Like this, this description really does suit me. And then there's one more here. They tend to be courageous and are sometimes stubborn, proud, and impatient. <laughs> so I just thought that was hilarious because I, I felt like there should actually be a picture of me beside that description because that just really accurately describes who I am and my personality. It's a great fit. 
Well, what's your name? What, what's your name? Log into the chat there and, and tell me what your name is. I would love to know your name. And uh, so if you've never done that before, it's really easy. Get yourself a username, log in and put your name in there and do it right now. Tell me, what's your name? Uh, right in, into the chat. Well, not everybody's name suits them, right? Like mine does. <laughs> Some people, uh, their name doesn't match them at all. And um, maybe your name is Esau and, uh, and that name means hairy when, when actually you're very bald or maybe you have no hair. <laughs> so, so don't take this concept to the bank. It works sometimes, but not all the time. Well, we're going to take a look at a guy whose name was Jacob to see if he suited his name. Now, Jacob's the kind of guy who doesn't wait for God to bless him. He doesn't wait for the people in his life to express their love to him and to bless him. He's the kind of guy that takes things into his own hands and he's very impatient. He doesn't wait for God to unfold things, but he makes sure that he's going to get what's coming to him, what's due to him, what he, what's owed to him. And I don't know if you've ever known somebody like that. They can be very self-centered and impulsive and brash. And the Jacob in our story is definitely like this. Now, not all Jacobs are like this because I've known some pretty fantastic Jacobs that are not like this at all. But this guy here, he, he's like that. He definitely is not, um, he, he's actually pretty messy. He's pretty messed up. And so if you were watching a movie, I want you to kind of pretend that this is kind of like the, um, the where the picture would change and there'd be like the backstory part. And I'm going to give you a bit of the backstory to Jacob. So Jacob's parents are named Isaac and Rebecca. And if you want to read this story, you can start in Genesis 25, and then you're going to read through for a, a good 10 chapters uh, to, to learn about Jacob's life. Well, so Jacob's parents are Isaac and Rebecca, and they get married, and she gets pregnant, and they have twin boys. And so naming people in biblical times uh, was pretty easy. You, you named your child after a relative or something like literal about the child or of what was happening around you. And so the twin boys are born. The first one born is Esau and he is very hairy. So his name, which Esau means hairy, his name is Esau. And then the second to be born was Jacob. And Jacob's name actually means supplanter or deceiver to hang on to something, to hang on to the heel. And, and that's actually what Jacob had done when, when he was born and coming out of the womb, he was hanging on to the heel of his brother Esau. You see, Jacob, even from the time he was born, was second, but always wanted to be first. And that's really what his name means. And so these boys, they grew up and Esau became a hunter and he hung out with his dad and Jacob was a mama's boy and liked to hang out at home a lot more. And as time goes on, Jacob ends up tricking his brother Esau um, and lying and tricking to his father Isaac. He, he lies and steals Esau's inheritance. He betrays them both and he leaves them devastated by his actions. And if you can guess, after all of this, Esau is pretty upset. He's pretty mad and he wants to retaliate. And so he says that he's going to kill Jacob once their father Isaac dies. So it's like this promise. Look, I am coming after you, Jacob. There will be a day and I will get you and I will kill you. Well, Jacob doesn't know when that's going to be and he's pretty scared. So he decides 
to get out of Dodge, get out of there, and he flees to his uncle Laban's house. You see, Jacob is just the king of poor choices. He could have resolved things with his family, but he chooses to run away and run away to his uncle's house. Now, on the way, this incredible thing happens in chapter 28 of Genesis. Jacob has a personal encounter with the Lord. You see, God sees past all of, of the, the things, the bad behaviors, the bad choices that Jacob makes. And God sees past all that and sees this man that he wants to, to know and to bless. And so Jacob has this personal encounter with the Lord. See, like God sees past the lying and the betrayal to the heart of Jacob, to the heart of the man. And he says, I want to protect you and I want to be with you. And it's pretty incredible because what happens out of that is that Jacob responds to God and surrenders his life to him. He responds out of love and is like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm following you, God. Like, this is amazing. And, and so it's really cool to see that this guy who had made all these mistakes gets another chance, right? That God sees past the mistake. And I love that. I love that part of this story. Well, Jacob continues on his journey and he arrives to Laban's home. And so he would have walked there. It would have taken him a while to get there because they're their families would have been um, spread apart just so that their flocks and their fields and their property didn't overmix too much. And so he arrives to Laban's home where he's greeted with more lies and more deception. And he ends up staying there for about 20 years. And during this time, while he's working for his uncle Laban, he, um, he really amasses a great wealth. He ends up having two wives, two servant wives, um, 11 boys by this point and and just a ton of goats and sheep and possessions and he's amassed a, a great wealth and so he decides you know it's been 20 years I really want to go home and I want to see my parents and so he decides to go and um, off he goes kind of back to go see his parents and as he's journeying, as he's on the way, he remembers that promise that Esau made, right? Like, Jacob, one day I will get you. I will kill you. And Jacob, being the schemer that he is, because he really hasn't, you know, he's had encounters with God, but just like all of us, doesn't mean he's perfect. He's still kind of the king of making bad choices and bad, bad decisions. And he decides that he's going to try and pay Esau off by sending a whole bunch of gifts a whole bunch of presents, part of the wealth that he's amassed to his brother Esau to try and pave the way home. And so he sends messengers with all these gifts and presents for Esau, hoping that it'll buy him off. And what happens is that the messengers come back with uh, bad news. Esau is on the way and he has 400 men with him. You see, Jacob can't buy his way out this time and he is stuck. And in front of him is Esau, consequences for his actions. And none of us like that. And behind him are the lies and the deception and this pretty messed up relationship with his uncle Laban. And he is stressed out to the max. And that night he wakes up and what does he do? Well, let's go to Genesis 32 verses 22. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, 
and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. So hang on, just wait for a second. Okay, so Jacob is stressed out. He's like, doesn't know what to do. So he wakes up in the night, wakes his wives and his maids and all of his children and sends everything across this river. Like, I don't even know what this guy was thinking because in my house, my husband knows and I know you one, never ever wake a sleeping baby. Like never, that's just silly. And two, you never wake a sleeping wife. Like that's just dangerous. I don't know what Jacob was thinking. He was just so stressed out. And not only that, but it was, it was dangerous in the way that they were crossing the river at night. And so really poor decision-making here. And I could just imagine the wives and the children being pretty uh, grumpy at being woke up in the middle of the night and sent across the river. Well, let's go back to verse 23. Our story continues on and it says, after taking them to the other side, so Jacob's got his whole family on the other side of the river and all of his possessions, he's now left alone in the camp. So he didn't go with them. He stayed on the other side of the river in the camp by himself. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of the socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face. Yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. You see, this river that the family crossed is called the Jabbok and is more than a river. It's a lonely, dark place. It's a place of struggle, a place of wrestling. And sure enough, that's exactly what Jacob got as he wrestled all night long with this man. And he didn't know who it was. And I kind of wonder, did, did he think, you know, did Esau um, come across and sneak up on him somehow? Was he wrestling with Esau? Was he, was he wrestling with his uncle Laban? Was he wrestling with himself, with his past, with his future, with his identity, with his faith, with all of the things that he had done in life, all of the mistakes he had made? Was it God? Perhaps the best and maybe the only answer to this question is, Yes, yes, that's who it was. And regardless of the skeletons in his closet that he thought might show their face when the dawn broke, it was a face-to-face -face meeting with God. You see, we're all wrestling with something, past sin, hurts, our mistakes, other people's mistakes that have affected us, current world events like COVID, the shootings in Nova Scotia, which by the way, our hearts and prayers to all of the families that have lost loved ones through COVID and through the Nova Scotia shootings. These are difficult times and most of us are struggling and wrestling with something, right? There's all of these outside factors, all of this outside pressure and stuff going on, plus 
there's our own inside wrestle and struggle with with what's going on in our emotions this is a place of darkness and it wasn't unique to jacob because most of us know it as well right we've had seasons where it's been too dark to see right we felt alone and wounded and like we were limping through life and for some it's the addiction uh, the struggle with addiction for some it's getting up every morning to grief and loss that's just unbearable for some it's tossing and turning through the night not knowing what to do next for some, it's sitting day after day beside the bed of a loved one who's dying. For some, it's the faithfulness of a routine of ordinary life, of just staying faithful and doing the same thing in work and family and marriage. For some, it's staying calm in the midst of a world pandemic. It's wondering, how do I work and parent and homeschool and how, you know, create healthy meals and keep my family life organized all while staying sane and just getting two minutes a day for myself, right? For some of us, it's a, it's a, a week, a year, a lifetime of praying and doing what's right and never seeing a result. Like none of these things are easy. None of these struggles and wrestles that we go through are easy and they pull us and stretch us and push us in ways that we didn't even think that we could be stretched. And you know, it's okay to say, I am struggling. I am. But that's not where we want to stay. You see, what happens to Jacob when the sun peaks over the hill, when the dawn breaks, daybreak comes and Jacob is no longer Jacob. He's no longer the name deceiver and supplanter. His name is changed. He is renamed. He is reborn. And he is now Israel, the one who struggles with and prevails against God. Jacob does not defeat God because that's impossible, but he prevails. He stays in the struggle. He doesn't give up until a new day dawns and he receives the blessing that was always his. That's faithfulness, determination, perseverance. And that's the lesson that we need to learn from Jacob, right? We can't force God. He is unforceable to us. We can't force him. We can't manipulate him. We can't coerce him. We can't negotiate with him. Those tactics don't work on God. But whatever we do, what we can do is don't let go. Don't let go of God. Hold on. Jabbok will give way to Peniel. A new day will dawn and there is blessing for you. It doesn't mean that life is magically fixed or it's going to get easy tomorrow, that COVID is going to end today. No, it doesn't mean those things. But you will prevail if you hang on tightly to Jesus. Why? Because he always prevails. God is faithful and he always overcomes. He always prevails. We don't love a God who sometimes wins. We love a God who always wins. And so that's what we hang on to in the midst of the struggle. It's this holy place where we want to encounter the face of God, right? Just like Jacob renamed it Peniel, the place where we see God and our life is preserved. There are promises that God wants to deliver to us. You know, last week, Pastor Greg um, 
he asked if we would make our homes a place of worship. And I want to add to that this week. And I want to ask, would you ask God that our homes would be a place of worship that are filled with the presence of God, that we would see him face to face, that this would be a place of holy ground, places where there's struggle, yes, but more importantly, places where there's blessing and newness and life change and transformation. And, and friends, church, my beloved, why are we letting the enemy own this time, right? Let's claim back that holy ground. Let's draw a line around our houses and say, Satan, you will not cross. The blood of Jesus, the holy ground of Jesus is in this home. And this will be a place of worship. And this is a place of holy ground, right? There is a struggle, but it doesn't mean that God isn't with us. He is saying, claim your territory, right? And so I, I'm just encouraging you, would you do that with me this week and say, this home is a place of worship and it is holy ground. I want to put the word pineal on my walls everywhere in every single room so that I'm reminded I want the presence of God. I want to meet God face to face in my home. And I want everybody else in my home to encounter him and to meet him face to face. You see, I don't know if you knew this, but God sees you through the perfect eyes of Jesus standing in front of him. And that's how the Holy Trinity looks at you. They just see a finished product. They see the work in progress. They see the work that they need to do in every single one of us. But get this, they see you as a finished product. And that's how God could have such grace for Jacob, is that he could see past all those mistakes and he could see the finished product. And he has the exact same promise and blessing for every single one of you. He wants to take this time of struggle and wrestle and grow your character so that your heart would reflect his heart because that's how God sees you, finished, crowned, royalty, magnificent. So don't turn from the wrestle. Don't bury your head in the couch and think, I just, I, I can't do it. Lean into it. Ask God questions. God, what do you want me to learn through this season? Jesus, what should we be working on in my character during this time? You see, I feel like God is calling us through this wrestle. I know there is a day dawning that will come, that he is doing great things in our lives. And I feel like there's three areas of newness and a new normal for us to chase after. And so I want to share those with you. And the first one is a new name for the churches of Canada. And I say the Churches of Canada because that's where I am. So if you're watching from somewhere else, I believe there's a new name for us globally. <clears throat> that our church is wrestling globally. And we've said that we feel like God is rewriting the way we do church. But it's still the exact same vision. It's the same purpose, the same mission. Like Pastor Greg said, there's no plan B, right? That this is the word of God that we're following and it hasn't changed before COVID or after, it is the same uh, before and after. And so, so it's not that we have a different mission, it's the same one, but the way that we're living it out is different, right? Just the way that we're, we're meeting, it's a new normal how we're doing church together. And, and what I wanna call us to 
is a new normal, a new name for the churches. And, and I'm generalizing in Canada, uh, I would say generally in Canada, the church has been known very negatively. And I'm, I'm not specifically talking about any denomination or any church, I'm not. I'm talking very broad. I'm saying if we were to go to our pre-Christian neighbors and ask them, what do you think of the church? I'm pretty sure they're gonna say some of these things, right? That they're gonna say that we're judgmental, that we want their money, that we're hurtful, that we don't actually help people with problems, that we brainwash, that we're cheap, and that in the past we have put children in residential schools, we have told women that they're lesser, we have attacked other faiths. Again, I'm being very general, but I think if we're honest and we ask our pre-Christian neighbors, what do you think the church does? I think these are some of the words that would honestly come out. And, and friends, I believe it's time for a new name for the churches, a new name. And that, that name includes healer and helper and acceptor and forgiver and repairer. And, and I believe it's time for us to actually not expect that people give us a new name, but that we earn it, right? We earn it because we radically forgive one another. We earn it because we radically go and show love to other people, right? That, that we are ambassadors of reconciliation, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. I believe it is time. I believe this is our wrestle and our struggle, and it is time for the, the church globally to come back to its true identity, that this would be the new normal of the church, that we would have a new name, reconciliator, restorer, repairer, forgiver, lover, just radical followers of Jesus. And so let's ask Jesus, what's the new name that you wanna give the church of Canada, the church globally, and if you've got some responses, I would love for you to email those to the church, but pray about it. Pray and ask Jesus those questions. What name do you want to give to the Church of Canada? How do you want to rewrite us and redefine us as a global movement? On May 4th, we are going to gather together for a blaze. And if you feel like God has a word, man, come that night and be ready to share for a couple minutes. And if you're an artist and you feel like God is bringing a picture out of you, create it and bring it and share it with us. And even right now, if you're logged into the chat, again, I would love it if you could would just put a couple positive words of what you think that God is renaming the church. Just do it right now. I'd love to read it. I'd love to see uh, what you think God is calling us into. And then I think the, the second new name that God wants to give us is a new name for our city. There's things that we've been wrestling with as a city of Prince George. And I know if you're watching from other places, you probably feel like you have similar wrestles in our city, problems of addiction and mental health and homelessness. And, and you know what? I, I believe our new normal is that we don't actually wait for a program from any organization or church to be a part of the solution. I believe it's our new normal, part of the new name that God wants to give the church is that we are just blessed and encouraged and released to go out one by one and love people with whatever time we have and whatever resources we have, that we could just be the solution for one person. And I believe that's a part of the new normal of our cities. 
Lisa Hazlitt is a wonderful, beautiful woman from our church, and she is very prophetic. And she shared with me a couple weeks ago this wonderful uh, vision that she received from the Lord. And it actually started about two years ago, and uh, she was walking up the hill by UNBC, by our university, and stationed on the top of the hill was this um, angelic uh, warrior angel that was just standing there um, watching over our city. And she saw this warrior angel there for a couple months in this season, about two years ago. And then a couple weeks ago, the picture expanded and she saw that same warrior angel that was standing there now make that like battle cry kind of movement and motion over the city and over the bowl of the city. And as that happened, there was a horde of heavenly activity, like almost like angelic beings. They were definitely from God, but they were on all fours. And they came up and over the hill of the city, up by the university, and they went racing down into the bowl, into the city of Prince George, and they devoured a dragon that was holding the bowl of the city in its clutches. And so these angelic beings that were on all fours, again, they were from God and they devoured that dragon. And then as they did that, it's like they needed somewhere to go. And so they went down into the ground and they actually like kind of like shook up the ground as they like sifted and and um, and stretched and and wrestled their way right into this the ground. And what happened is as they did this, they brought up things like gems and bones in that movement and in that stretching. There was a blessing that started to come up and out of that, that earth. And the earth, the ground itself became fertile and rich soil. And, um, and then it was like the picture fast forwarded and she could see a lion walking through rows of lush, vibrant greenery growing in like a garden, right? And I believe we've been wrestling in our city and that God wants to claim our cities back, that he's shifting and shaking and there's this wrestling and this tension, but there's a reestablishing of a newness, a new name, a new rewriting the name of who we are, that our cities wouldn't be known as cities that are crime filled and violent and horrible, but that our cities would be known by the name of Jesus, that we would be a light on a hill, that we would be known as light bearers, people who love people and show it, show it, live it out, do what the Father does, love the way the Father does. And so if you feel like, oh, God is just stirring up something in me right now, and I feel like there's a positive word for my city, I want you just to type that in the chat right now. Just say the city you live in and a word. What word do you feel like God is bringing up? And, and, and they, could be, they could be difficult words, but they're never going to be negative words, right? Like God wants to give us blessing and bring us blessing. And so, um, yeah, so please write that in the chat, man. I'd love to read those. And then the third area that I believe God is giving us a new name is for us personally. You know, I was asking a few friends if they've ever been given a new name. And I heard of one girl who was given the name Amen. And another one, Nancy and another one, Wonder Woman. Now they didn't change their names to those names because that would be very confusing. So don't do that. 
but but it was like God rewrote, redefined them as they had come through a struggle and gave them a new identity through Jesus Christ. You see, Jacob's name meant deceiver, didn't it? And it was a pretty accurate description of his character at the beginning of his life. But through perseverance, through his actions, because he did not let go of God, God changed his name. And maybe your given name doesn't match your personality at all, but maybe you've actually accepted other names. You've taken on other names like liar or alcoholic or, or cheater or stupid or loser. And I think I, I know God wants to give you a new name. And I actually was just talking to a friend about this recently and I was saying, I actually don't like it when somebody says, hi, my name is Bob and I'm an alcoholic. I have such deep, deep respect uh, for anybody who's struggling with addiction. So don't hear that, that I'm rejecting that. I truly respect the struggle and the perseverance um, that you are putting into your recovery. But the reason that, that it makes me uncomfortable is that if you believe in Jesus Christ, then you are not that name. You are not defined as alcoholic. You stand under the blood and the work of Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, and your name is not that. Your name is not negative. Your name is chosen. You are forgiven. You are blessed. You are loved. You are one who is worthy to receive blessing and inheritance. So don't let your sin define you and become a part of your name. Go to God because God always wants to give us a name that's packed with goodness and love and redemption. That's the story he wants to write over you. That's the new normal that he wants you to live in. And so today I want us to ask, Jesus, would you give us a new name? If I let go of all of those old names, all of those old patterns and sins and bad choices and bad behaviors, Jesus, would you give me a new name? A new name of blessing is what I want to ask for, right? God stretches us. We wrestle through things, but there's always a dawn. There's always a daybreak and he wants to bring you into something new. So ask him for a new name, a new identity. And this week in Connect Groups, we're going to be praying for each other, that we would receive new names from God, that we would see each other through the tender eyes of, of the way Jesus sees every single one of us, right? Remember, he sees you as the finished product. He sees you that way. And so let's encourage each other with a new name. You see, being a part of a, a Connect Group means being a part of community with other people who are just doing their best to love Jesus as well. And community gives you a new name. I listen to the Father, I talk to the Father, but I also know that he's put people in my life that are also listening and talking to the Father. So my when my friends in my connect group speak life over me, they bless me. They help me to rewrite what my name is. I'm a friend, that's a part of my name is friend. I'm not a perfect friend, I make a lot of mistakes, but I'm a friend and that community gives me that new name. And I'm asking if you would pray and you would ask God, is there a name for yourself? Is there a name for a friend, a name for a family member, a loved one, something to encourage them? And no, Beavis or Butthead is never a name that God is gonna give, 
but it might be something like Abraham, which means father of many, or Iron Man, referring to armor and strength. You see, we're all wrestling with world events, and we've got choices. We can let it define us and hold us prisoner, or as it says in Joel 2.32, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, God wants you to call on him. He's saying, I will save you. You see, fearful is not a part of who God created you to be. And when you are dressed in the presence of the Lord, Fear must leave. So get dressed in the presence of the Lord. Seek a face-to-face -face encounter with him. Be dressed in the Holy Spirit as you are in this time of struggle. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste the time of struggle. Let's go to God. Let's just want more of his presence, more of him in our homes and encountering us and ask him, would you in this wrestling spot give me wisdom and love? Would you give me a name of transformation and renewal and stretching? Jesus, what is it that I need to learn in this time of struggle and wrestle? And Jesus, what name do you have for my family and my friends and my city and my country? Jesus, we want you to rewrite and redefine us all. Church, we got to do what Jesus did. He focused up. He stayed connected to the Father. He focused in. Jesus was in a connect group and he lived purposely in community with one another so that they were a part of his name. He shared his struggle with others and community gives us a new name and gives us a new normal. So please don't leave here today without that peace and progress. Be in a connect group. If uh, this, this conversation today about Jesus uh, is new to you and you've never heard this before and you are just inspired and feeling a longing for God, that is purposeful. God chases after you. He wants relationship with you. So it's not a fluke that you're feeling that. That's actually the draw and the attractiveness of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I'm going to ask if you would close your eyes and pray with me. And it's just really simple. I like going through the ABCs. So pray this in your heart, wherever you are. Um, just quiet yourself before the Lord. Just imagine Jesus. And let's just close our eyes and just imagine God right here with us right now. God, the first one is A. I admit. I admit that I am separated from you because of my sin and my mistake. And I repent of my sin. I repent of my mistakes, Lord Jesus. And I want to turn from my mistakes and turn from my sin. And the next step is B, is believe. Jesus, I believe the only way to be forgiven is to have a relationship with you, to confess and repent my sin and then to ask you to forgive it because I believe in you, Jesus. And so I believe I want to be connected to you, God. And third is confess. See, Jesus, I confess that I want to have faith in you, that I want to put my trust in you, Jesus, in nothing else, that I, I confess that I believe in Jesus Christ and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit. 
and I want to tell everybody that I have faith and I believe. And so I confess it. God, you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there is a spot on the screen that you can click. And if this was your first time accepting Jesus and, uh, and God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit into your heart, please click that and tell us this was your first time. We'd love to be in contact with you and give you some resources. And I also want you to know that there's a party in heaven for every time a new believer comes into eternity and relationship and salvation with God. So congratulations. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. <laughs> now for all of us who are believers, I just want to close in a prayer and I'm going to ask if you would uh, uh, stand with me and I can't stand because of the camera, but if you would stand and I want to ask if you would please respond with me and just, just echo this prayer in your heart. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, we want to ask Lord God, we want to ask for a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus, with you, Heavenly Father, with you, Holy Spirit. We just want more of you in our homes, Lord God, more of you in our lives, Lord Jesus, that our homes would be a place of pineal where we would just seek your presence, that we would just welcome your presence, Lord God, because we know that when we welcome you, that you come, that you always want to be in relationship with us and connected to us. So Jesus, just fill our homes, saturate our homes, let them be a light uh, to our community, Lord Jesus, and just a, a light in our city, Lord God. And Jesus, I just pray that through this time of struggle and wrestle, Lord Jesus, that you would transform us and show us our new name for ourselves and our city and, and our country and our world. God, we just can't do this without you. We don't want to do this without you. We just hang on tight to you, trusting and knowing that you always, always win, always prevail. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.